Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to Royal Yes. I'm Christina. That's Molly, the host of the Diva Behavior Podcast. Hi, Molly. How are you? I'm good, Christina. We've been missing each other the last few months and it's so great to have you back. So great to be back and it's so great uh, talking royals with you. I've missed you. I've missed you too. It's so, it's great to be back in the swing of things. Totally. But I was like, I said last week, I've been watching a lot of the shows and you and Joe did a great job holding it down. So thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, thank you. It was a good time with Joe. It was definitely definitely a fun little summer vibe. (laughs) Totally. All right, let's get to our Royal Roundup and actually kick it off with Finding Freedom co-author Omid Scobie. Now he made some shocking new claims about the relationship between Prince Harry and Prince William. And he basically said that two of them are never going to see eye to eye and probably won't get back on track for quite some time. This is this is pretty some shocking news because we always get reports like, oh, they're talking again. Oh, things are getting back to normal. But, you know, he pretty much has a direct line, I think, to Harry and Meghan. And he's pretty much saying they're not on good terms at all. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just wishful thinking. Isn't it funny how we all just want them to all be friends again? Like nobody wants this. And he, didn't he also say um, that no senior Royals have stepped in to help them mend fences, Mm -hmm. which Which is interesting. Yeah. To me, that just kind of sounds like all the senior Royals are also mad at Harry. It seems like they're kind of like being like, all right, we're just going to wash our hands of this and maybe try to ignore it and maybe it'll go away. But I don't think that's happening either. And, you know, they said that they had like during these interactions that the, you know, it was very, you know, to the surface conversations, nothing really like meaningful, nothing deep conversations. And I just think that like, they're just one doesn't agree with how one's handling one thing and same with the other. So they're never going to be on the same page. Yeah. And I also really liked another point that Jonathan made last week that, you know, the rest of the Royals might be nervous that whatever they say could end up being reported in the news. And that must make it even harder Mm -hmm. to, to get past it all. Like maybe they're just playing a waiting game until they can all hang out again and just never talk about any of this stuff because you know, there's, there just doesn't really seem to be much, many other options. Yeah. But now like uh, like jumping off of that, but now we have Harry's book deals and who knows what he's going to say in that. So I I would feel the same way. I don't know if I would be able to trust them and be able to want to be on good terms with somebody who may turn around and tell all my family secrets. And at the same time, 
make friends with him before he writes the book. Maybe you'll maybe he'll go <laughs> easier true. on you. That is true. Yes. Maybe do men fences before that. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well, Harry is keeping busy and he made a surprise appearance during the 24th annual British GQ Men of the Year Award. So take a look at this. There is a huge disparity between who can and cannot access the vaccine. Less than 2% of people in the developing world have received a single dose at this point. At the same time, families around the world are being overwhelmed by mass-scale misinformation across news media and social media, where those who peddle in lies and fear are creating vaccine hesitancy, which in turn is dividing communities and eroding trust. I mean, he still does clean up very nice. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I thought he looked a little out of it in this video. <laughs> he did look a little tired. I mean, they do have a newborn, so maybe, yeah. maybe he's just not getting much sleep. <laughs> he was like, you know, posture was not great. <laughs> little bit wrinkled shirt. It was relatable. I will say it was relatable. How about that? <laughs> he was like, oh, wait, I have to do this. Let me just throw on my tux real quick. <laughs> he, looked, he looked like my dad's tux, which... <laughs> is from a yard sale. <laughs> but again, like you said, newborn, yeah. two kids. I get it's, it. It's rough over there in Montecito right now. So yeah. like, I understand why he seemed a little, he seemed, he just seemed a little tired. Yeah, just, he did seem a little tired. But what did he have to say in this address uh, during this uh, little speech <laughs> that he made? <laughs> so he was, ta he was talking about vaccine hesitancy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fact that we still have such disparity in the demographics of who's vaccinated and who's not. He was honoring the scientists who helped develop the AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, and yeah, he, he mostly focused on misinformation. Yeah, which he's done before. Say. He's talked about this in the past and he's, you know, a, kind of trying to spread the word and encouraging more people to get vaccinated. Yeah. yeah, he did have one line that stuck out to me. He said that there's misinformation about the vaccines in the news media. Mm. And I'm wondering what he's talking about. I'm going to have to look into that because... I feel like the misinformation I'm seeing is in like Instagram infographics. Sure. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. So, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, you know, if anyone in the comments knows, let me know what he's talking about. Yeah, totally. Let I'm us a little know. confused by that. <laughs> well, this story is a little confusing that we have going on. It's a little weird too. So the UK the, the documents were revealed that the UK has a secret plan for Queen Elizabeth, the, uh, for Queen Elizabeth's death, including a memorial service with the prime minister that should appear spontaneous and preparations for crisis mode if London becomes packed with mourners. I mean, obviously now this is not a secret plan anymore since documents were revealed, but it seems like kind of distasteful in my sense, in my opinion, for this to be revealed. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is we've known about Operation London Bridge as it's yeah. called for a while, but yeah, these are just, I guess it's the specific details that are uh, being made public. I do find it kind of funny that they're, they're planning the spontaneous, service um you know years in advance yeah. if that's not the most british royal family thing you've ever heard in your life like it should appear spontaneous right, it appear. Should, it's not going to be spontaneous ever it's just going to appear that way yeah but yeah it is it's a little it's morbid to think about for sure it's morbid to think about but they do plan out you know the royal family does have to plan out exactly what they want i mean prince philip pretty much detailed his entire funeral you know from the car that he was uh dr drove in and things like that so you know they're very much this is the way that they want to go and hey if you're going to plan it plan it the way you want <laughs> right and they even have plans in place 
for if she happens to pass away in Scotland or in Wales or something like that, they have, you know, if, if it happens in Scotland, they've, they're calling it Operation Unicorn and she'll be transported by train back to London. Operation Overstudy is the name for if she has to travel by plane. It's like, you know, I, I guess they have to plan all this stuff. Because yeah, no, they really do. Because if they don't, it would be like a logistical nightmare, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And when your job passes through the family upon your death, I guess this type of morbidity is just part of life, you know, mm -hmm. like in the crown they showed, and this is reflected in different history books that the queen has always traveled with an extra black outfit in yeah, case exactly. someone passes away and she needs to return to the UK in morning dress. Yeah. So it's just a part of their life. I mean, it's a part of everyone's lives, but I guess for them, it's like the appearance of it and choreographing it is such mm -hmm. a huge part of their lives. Totally. Very interesting. Um, something else that is interesting, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle reportedly want a sit down with the queen and they're hoping maybe to discuss having um, Lilibet's christening in London, which I don't know, this is a, a rumored report, so who knows if it's exactly true, but it's a, an offer that they want to make to the Queen. Who knows if she'll accept? <laughs> I know. I mean, wow. What it, it, it's, it's kind of funny that this is even being reported because it's like, if, if it's an offer being made behind closed doors... Like, why are we hearing about it? I don't know. What do you think? I think it's a little odd. I don't know if, I don't even know if that's, this is the case. I don't think that Megan is really going to be heading over there anytime soon. So I think that they're going to be keeping everything pretty private. I think that they, who knows, they may have already done the christening and we don't even know about it because we haven't even seen, seen any photos. We really haven't seen Megan at all. I don't know if I believe this one. Right. Also, Jonathan last week alluded to sort of the confusion about their, allegedly held three days before the wedding with the Archbishop of Canterbury. And the Ar Archbishop of Canterbury said that that didn't happen. Now, he's the head of the Church of England. So that does make it a little awkward, I think. Totally. <laughs> right. over to have her christened in the Church of England, you know? Mm -hmm. like. But then at the same time, if it's not in the Church of England, then what church is it going to be? Because Meghan converted to Angli the Anglican religion and Harry's part of the Anglican religion. So... I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we're going to see rumored reports soon about a new age California, like Kabbalah Scientology christening. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's definitely very interesting. I don't think Lilibet is going to fit in the ceremonial christening gown by the time this all That's true. goes through, though, in any case. <laughs> very, very true. And it seems like some, uh, that the couple are also losing some support among young Brits, which is interesting because they have always gotten a lot of support from them, but it seems like their approval ratings have dropped a little bit. Right. And they've dropped even from after the big interview that they did a few yeah. weeks after that their ratings in the uk dropped and now they've dropped even further and i would love to know what the specific things have been that caused it right and I, it was interesting to me that megan's approval rating was actually a little bit higher than harry's um which i thought was kind of interesting that people are a little bit backing megan a little bit more than harry so i wonder what's kind of rubbing people the wrong way when it comes to harry I wonder if it's because he's really been the more vocal one in the yeah. last few months. We have barely heard from her, yeah. only her, her birthday initiative, which I think is really smart because as we've been saying, people have unfairly blamed her for them leaving mm -hmm. when there is no evidence to suggest that she was the reason why they left. So it makes sense that now she's like, okay, I'm just going to make sure everyone knows that I'm not the one that 
was spearheading all yeah, of this. Totally. I'm going to take a back seat. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, now it is time to spill the royal tea. And Kristen Stewart made her big debut as Princess Diana in the film Spencer, and she is getting rave reviews. Right. I am so excited to see this. I think it's going to be so good. Uh, the film is getting, yeah, like you said, rave reviews, five out of five stars from The Guardian. Um, I, I found the headline at The Guardian really interesting. It said, Princess Diana's disastrous marriage makes a magnificent farce. Mm-hmm. Now, farce is like comedy. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> like, so were we supposed to be laughing through this? <laughs> right. I mean, I can't wait to see this film because I loved the director's last film, Jackie, with Natalie Portman. There was not a moment of farce in that. No. So, and this is very similar. It's like three days in the life of a very famous woman in the 20th century. So if this, you know, turns around and is kind of a comedy, that's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. I know um, in Us Weekly's review, um, our writer said that, you know, Kristen Stewart is beyond compelling. Like she is this film and it's, you know, so many, we've talked about this before. So many actresses have taken on this role. Some have done it well, some haven't, but, and a lot of people are kind of scratching their heads when Kristen Stewart was cast, but it seems like she's perfect for this role. And I, I can't wait. It's already getting some Oscar buzz too, which who knows? Oh, imagine Bella from Twilight wins an Oscar <laughs> for playing Princess Diana. I can't imagine. Could never imagine. Well, something that maybe not was going to get an Oscar or an Emmy is Harry and Meghan. Um, their TV, they got their TV treatment in their new Lifetime movie, Harry and Meghan Escaping the Palace. And we probably will imagine that Prince William is not too excited about this because they are kind of portraying him as the villain in this movie. Um, this is not the first time that Lifetime has taken on uh, Harry and Meghan. They've done a few movies about their uh, their relationship and how it kind of came together, but this is all about them escaping the palace. Yes, so the way William seems to be portrayed in this film is not very flattering. You know, in the teaser trailer, there's a part where he and Harry are arguing and Harry is saying, we have to do a statement together decrying racism in the press. And William says, for the last time, I agree, diversity in the family is a good thing, which obviously sounds like he doesn't think that at all. Right. So, but I think that William, I don't think this is going to affect William because... (laughs) The guy doesn't even look like him. Right, it really doesn't. <laughs> like, there are so many struggling actors in the world. How hard is it to find one that looks like William? He's just like a bald white guy. Right, couldn't be too hard. Well, I yeah. guess I guess maybe nobody wants to take on that role, and who knows? I have no idea. But yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully, if you guys checked it out, please let us know in the comments what you thought about it. All right, well, let's move on and break down the royal rules. And to help us do that is editor for What Megan Wore and host of Podcast Royal, Rachel Birchfield. You know, I know the royals have been laying low this summer, but did you have a favorite royal look of the summer? You know, I thought Megan looked beautiful on her 40th birthday in the all-white cream ensemble and I especially loved the detail of the constellation zodiac necklaces she wore by Logan Hollowell who is based in LA. Uh, We haven't seen Kate much this summer uh, especially in the last month as she's been on holiday but her soccer or football as they call it in the UK uh, looks especially those blazers were great as was her Wimbledon style. Mm -hmm. Um, I always love Kate so much and Amelia Wickstead and she wore this gorgeous, if you'll remember this gorgeous green look by Amelia Wickstead to Wimbledon this summer that I really liked. 
How would you describe Kate's summer style? Yeah, I would imagine it's quite casual when she is on holiday and she's had a few casual looks that I loved this summer, like that Chloe jacket, kind of that pink, corally Chloe jacket and the jeans at the Natural History Museum back in June. And then, of course, the iconic vaccination photo with those jeans again, same jeans. Um, she made vaccinations look extremely sexy, which is not always easy to do. And um, then at Wimbledon, she always knocks it out of the park with dresses that have a summer flair to them, generally light colors, breezy. I also loved her, if you'll remember, in that uh, purplish lavender L.K. Bennett dress when she debuted her big announcement about her research center yeah. for early childhood development. I mean, she, she's had a great summer in fashion when we've seen her. She has been largely out of the public eye for the past few couple of months. But when we see her, she always knocks it out of the park. Yeah. What kind of pieces do you think that she'll be bringing into the fall? So I am a huge fan of Kate's coat game. It is iconic. I think it's the best around. I can't wait to see that as the temperatures get a little chillier in the UK and, you know, COVID dependent, if she's able to do engagements with regularity again, I think she'll continue to knock it out of the park, but Kate's coat game in the fall and winter months are unparalleled. Yeah. You know, she's going to turn 40 in a few months. How would you say her style has evolved throughout the years? Yeah. Well, speaking of looking back on our looks throughout the years, we have to keep in mind, right, that we've known who Kate was since she was roughly 19 or 20 years old, long before she had a stylist working with her. And like I did, and I think you ladies did as well, living through the somewhat questionable fashion era of the mid 2000s. Um, I think Kate has always had a good sense of style. It's It used to be a lot more low key. Um, in the 2000s, I would say she was much more of a trendy dresser. And these days she wears more classic timeless pieces that will never go out of style. You could put most of her looks 15 years ago or 15 years from now, and they would still hold up. Um, I think her first style turning point, of course, was that blue Issa engagement dress mm -hmm. that she wore in 2010. And then, of course, the Alexander McQueen wedding dress the next year. And then her style was solid as she began to have kids. But in 2018, and a lot of people will say that Megan was coming into the fold. And so Kate felt the need to step her game up because Megan has great style too. I think in 2018, right around the birth of Louis, it got kicked up a notch to another level of sophisticated. And, you know, I think Kate so rarely misses when it comes to fashion and she's really figured out how to make fashion work for her. Mm -hmm. Totally. Right. Even her two 2000 stuff is timeless for that era. It's like, right. yes, it's a capsule of what we were doing in like 2005. Yeah. And like and you look at, and you look back and like, that's what I'm saying. The kids will just never be able to look back and go, Oh, Oh my gosh, that was clearly 2017. I mean, their, their looks are timeless, but I look at Kate in college and I go, okay, that was, that was around the time I was in college too. And, um, and it, it, I love looking at it because it reminds me of when I was in college too, in those good old days. Totally. So the highly anticipated Spencer movie is coming I'm so out. so excited for this. <laughs> yes, me too. Based on the trailer, do you think they got Diana's looks right? Well, from what little I've seen of it, and like you said, just a few photos in the trailer, I love that uh, that photo of Kristen Stewart, like in the in the back, somewhat backless dress, leaning forward, mm -hmm. that gorgeous dress. 
um, they're doing a great job. And, you know, Kristen Stewart is at the Venice Film Festival right now getting rave reviews for her performance, which excites me. And I can't wait to watch it. But yeah, I think that and also Elizabeth Del Becky, who's playing Diana on The Crown season five, she's nailing it, too. I mean, there's just spoil of riches of actresses who are playing Diana and just doing great jobs. You you wouldn't think that so many women, Emma Corrin, Elizabeth Delbecki, Kristen Stewart, Naomi Watts could all encapsulate this woman, but it just shows how multifaceted she is that they're all able to pull it off. Definitely. How do you think Diana's style still influences the Royals, if at all? Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, we see both Kate and Megan doing nods and tributes to Diana's style all the time um, from Megan's Cartier bracelet that she wears so much publicly to how Kate dressed for when she debuted her children, George, Charlotte, Louis, on the steps of the Lindo wing. They are constantly doing nods to her fashion that they put their own twists on. I mean, Diana is a fashion icon and her looks will always be a part of the conversation, I think. Mm -hmm. All right, in our Royal History Moment of the Week, nearly five months after his death, Prince Philip received an honor commemorating his storied naval career. This was pretty cool. Yeah, this is really nice. So um, the Royal National Lifeboat Institution named its newest lifeboat after the prince. They're naming it the Duke of Edinburgh. And it's just, you know, a tribute to his career in the Royal Navy, which dates back so long. He was in the Navy for most of his well, most of his youth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they're, they're naming it after him. I love that. That's so great. I'm sure he would really appreciate that. Um, and then speaking of, uh, you know, life on the water, before we wrap up, we have to check in on our royal kids. And it seems like they have learned a new skill this summer, and that is how to sail. Yeah. Wow. So apparently they have been doing sailing the whole family mm -hmm. together over the summer. Um, a source said they are very much a family of sailors now, which is really cute. It makes me think of like a pirate family or something. Really? <laughs> I love that. And Kate and William, they love to sail as well. So it seems like this is definitely going to be um, something that they can do every single summer together. Yeah, really nice. And it is very windy in the summer in the UK. So that will work out great for them. too. Totally. Well, Molly, thank you so much. It's so good to be back talking all things Royals with you. It's so great to have you back, Christina. Thank you. Of course. Well, for much more on the Royals, head on over to usmagazine.com and please check in every Wednesday on Us Weekly's YouTube channel. Keep commenting, keep subscribing, and we will see you guys next week.